Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. Let's just go ahead and jump in it with this concept, is that joy in life isn't about embracing the ups or avoiding the downs, but in knowing that no matter what life throws at us, God loves us and will carry us forward. So we have to. We have to have that mindset. And so many times when those really, really ugly lows come in, that's when we begin to ask the questions of, where was God when this happened? Where was God in this moment? And man, all of a sudden, those lows can just really throw us off. But when we begin to to cultivate an awareness and an understanding that God never leaves us and he never forsakes us. Sometimes the pressures of life and all that remove our focus and we, we can hear everything but him and feel everything but his presence. But man, I'm telling you, he is always with us. See, roller coasters are fun. Now, not everybody likes them, but we really enjoy roller coasters. Me and my family, we enjoy, well, most of my family enjoys roller coasters. And the reason roller coasters are fun is because you you trust that you're going to get off of it in one piece. That's why it's fun. If you don't know, if it's like a coin flip of whether or not you're going to be okay on the other side of this, it's not going to be near as fun. But you can throw your arms up and you can, do, you can embrace speeds and angles and twists and turns and heights that you would never, ever do all by yourself because you are convinced that it's all going to turn out okay. And when that place is there, then you can step into it. In fact, I, I utilize it with my children. We go to theme parks and sit there and of course when they're younger you know they look at the roller coaster and they hit that moment that they're like oh I want to ride it but I don't want to ride it I was like okay what you know let's stand here and let's watch you know this was hopefully inspected you know we're going to trust that the people who inspect these things did that you know there are engineers and if nothing else these theme parks don't want to be sued so there's lots of money on the line everybody it's in everybody's interest that this thing is very 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 safe so we watch and people get on and they have their moment and they get off and all their limbs are still attached and everything's good and we establish this pattern that guess what it's going to be okay but it doesn't make the nerves go away it doesn't change any of that so here's this cool opportunity that we that our my kids have got to have is they've got to step into something that was scary with a full confidence that it was going to be okay and it's a great opportunity to see that guess what there are some places that you don't it feels crazy but you can trust and we translate that and understand that God's promises are more faithful than any engineer or threat of lawsuit that's around. And I want us to look at Romans 15, 13. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. That he fills us with joy and he fills us with peace as we trust in him. 
Most of us, when we find ourselves in a place, we're like, man, I'm really trusting God right now. It's, you're probably not declaring that to someone because you're simply walking across the floor at your house. Sitting there and putting it out there on Facebook. Just want everyone to know I'm really trusting God right now. Going to get my coffee. Opening the cabinet, trusting God like crazy. Mm, might be a little too hot trusting God. No, and the normal stuff, normally if it's, somebody throws a Facebook post, a little tweet, a little Instagram, saying, man, trusting God right now, exclamation points. Well, we know there's something that's freaking them out. There's something that's, that's got their world rocked a little bit. And they're saying, you know what? I'm going to take what God's promised me, and I'm going to hold that as more sure than anything else I see or feel or think. I'm trusting God right now. Well, here we are. That's, we're in a situation where things feel a little rocky, and it says that, that God would fill us with joy and peace as we trust in him. So many times we want to go, okay, God, I can trust you because I'm full of joy and peace right now. No, the joy and the peace come as we trust in him. So many times we get, that, we get the ball rolling by simply saying, God, okay, okay, I trust in you. One of my favorite stories on this is about Weston when he was real little and he was about <clears throat> three years old. And we were, lived in, our house had a detached garage. And with our detached garage, we, um, we parked over here. And then we had to walk through the backyard and go up to the back door to get into the house. And, and um, sometimes we would leave the back porch light on and sometimes we would not leave the back porch light on. And in the days, it was dark. And Weston was little. We had little, little Lulu um, that we had to get out and we also had little Carson that we had to get out so mom and dad's hands are both full Weston had to be a big boy and carry himself he had to walk it so we would tell him son just go to the back door and this was the backyard he played in every day he played in this backyard he knew it and he would look into that back dark backyard and he would sit there and he was like daddy daddy I'm scared I'm, I'm scared. I'm like, son, that is, that is your backyard. You, there is no reason for you to be scared. That is our house. That is our door. That is our backyard. Yes, it's a little dark. We're right here. We're right behind you. Just go up to, up to the back door. And so he would sit there, and then one moment he would tell him, I was like, son, there's no reason for you to be scared. You don't have to be scared. So one day as we get there, and he walks up, and he looks into that back gate, and he turns around, and he looks at me, and he asks the question, Daddy, am I scared? I was like, son, no, you're, you're not scared. So you just watched it where he just went, I'm not scared. I'm not scared. I'm not scared. <laughs> and he just walks into the, walks into the, to the back deal. And that, and that settled it for him. From that point on, he didn't have to worry about it anymore. But he began that peace and that joy began as he made the decision to trust. And thankfully, he didn't even trust his own opinion. He looked to his daddy and said, Aunt, is this where I need to be scared? <laughs> nope. Okay. 
and begin to remind himself and align himself with what his daddy said. The roller coasters of life, we've got a heavenly father who loves us. And there are things that are going to freak us out. But we've got a heavenly father that sees a bigger picture that he's right here with us. And he can walk us through those moments. Romans 15, 13 ends up says, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to grow in joy and peace as we trust in God so that we can overflow with hope. We can overflow and it just infect every area of our lives. And so what we're about to do is we're about to spend 10 weeks looking at the life of a guy that has more roller coaster curves in his life than just about any Bible that's anybody in the Bible that's that's written out. We're going to look at the story of Joseph in the Old Testament. And Genesis is 50 chapters long. And the 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 last 14 chapters of Genesis are devoted to Joseph's life. You could actually even back it up to Genesis 31 because that's when Joseph gets born. And then all of those interactions are Joseph's completely dysfunctional childhood. And these are things that are happening in Joseph's life while things are going on. I mean, this is this is crazy, crazy stuff that takes place from 31 on through 30 through 36. And so and this is Joseph grows up with this dysfunctional family, extended family, and then we pick up on the this, this story where we're going to start. And man, I'm telling you, the guy has a lot of roller coaster things, but here's the thing, is that early on in life, there was a dream that the Heavenly Father gave to him, that God spoke to him, and God was faithful to bring that to completion. So as we delve into this, I want us to look at this truth. That when life isn't turning out the way you planned, don't give up on your God dream. <clears throat> don't give up on your God dream. Man, there are some of you who are sitting here today and go, you know what? I never dreamed I would be where I am right now. How did I get here? How did my life get here? If I back myself up 10, 15 years... And say, where would I be from now? I would never say where I'm at. Never. This wasn't on the agenda. This wasn't on the plan. This wasn't what I wanted. But then, here we are. Here we are. And so I want to tell you, in the middle of that, don't give up. Don't give up on your God dream. God can still get you to that place that he's has hardwired you for and built you for from day one. Let's go ahead and look at Genesis 37, verses 5 through 7. Now just a little bit of, <coughs> of back history before we hit that is Joseph has a lot of older brothers. And Joseph is number 10, and, and he is there. He's the baby, <coughs> the baby son. And uh, there's a Benjamin comes along at, at some point in time. It's still kind of hard to figure out if he's there at this moment or not. And, but Joseph is favored. His daddy loves him way more than he loves his older brothers. And it's, it, it's not right. It's not fair. I've got seven kids, and they would all testify that, you know, it would not be fair if daddy had a favorite. And so, and hopefully they don't feel like I have a favorite. And, um, and so, but their daddy had a favorite. And he made him a special cloak, a special 
coat, Joseph's coat of many colors, if you've been around church at all, and that signified that he had this favor. Now, in Eastern culture, it's supposed to be the firstborn carried all the favor. The firstborn was the one that had all the privilege and got all the extra stuff. And then here comes Joseph, and Joseph is the one that's carrying all of this. And he gets all of it, and his brothers hated him for it. They hated him because his da their daddy loved him more. So here we are. We pick up in verse 5 that Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. See, they already hated him, and now they hate him even more. And he said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. That's, uh, that's really going to endear your brothers, right? <laughs> hey, big brothers, guess what? One day you're all going to bow before me. You know, it's kind of what the dream says, you know. Maybe we're going to have a weird deal and I'm going to have a sheaf standing up there and the wind's going to come and knock them all down. Maybe that's it. But kind of looks like God's going to do something special here. And it, and it ticked them off. And it ticked them off to the point that they were ready to make sure this couldn't happen. And they plotted a plan to actually assassinate Joseph. His brothers were going to kill him. And instead, they made a different plan. And he ended up a victim of human trafficking. And we <coughs> go ahead and jump to verse 19. <coughs> Joseph is sent by his daddy to go check on his brothers who were out in the field. They didn't like being... being uh, told on in fact earlier in the chapter he gives a bad report that his brothers were kind of goofing off in the field and and uh, they he snitched on the brothers and everybody knows snitches get stitches so uh, <laughs> here we come says that here comes the dreamer they said to each other <clears throat> come now let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns one of these wells and say that a ferocious animal devoured him and then we'll see what comes of his dreams they didn't say oh here comes daddy's boy oh here comes the favorite oh here comes that they were opposed to his dream oh here comes the dreamer and then we're going to see what comes of his dreams and thankfully a clear-headed older brother prevails and he says no 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 let's not kill him that just wouldn't be right you know let's sell him let's make some money off of him so they sell him and they sell him into slavery, and then they're like, all right, now he's gone. We don't have to worry about this guy ever again. So now it looks like, man, he's not even around his brothers. How, how is this going to unfold? But I want to tell you, don't give up on your God dream, even if you don't start out so well. I don't know about you, but I'm, anytime I do something for the first time, I'm terrible at it. I mean, just terrible. And when I was a kid, it drove me up the wall. I mean, I just, I hate failure. I hate looking stupid. I only want to do things that I'm good at. I don't want to waste time with things I'm not good at. And so, man, it just, it just locked me up as a kid. And even when I, was, when I was real little, I learned to speak fairly early. But I had some problems with some certain consonant blends. And, and uh, I, I didn't know how to say my BRs. I didn't know how to say TRs, but that's another thing. And so, and, um, 
but I didn't know how to say I didn't know how to say BRs, and so my name is Brandon. So my parents would sit there and they would want to you know show me off to the other other parents, you know. And man, this kid's smart; he can talk really good and say cat, cat, say dog, dog, say this and that. Then I also I would do it, they, and I, they would say say Brandon, and I'd go. Now I was not an obstinate, rebellious child. Mostly. But I wouldn't say it. And finally when I said it, I would say it and it was Brandon. And I knew it was wrong. Even as a kid, my, my mom said it just frustrated her that, I, that she would just feed me word after word after word after word. And I'd say it, say it, say it. I, she'd get me to say my name. But I just didn't want to do it wrong. And so many times, man, we th- we step out into something and God gives us a dream and we think, man, if God is with me in this, then it ought to go pretty smooth. It ought to work fairly well. But it doesn't always. Sometimes we've got to step out and we grow into something. Sometimes the reason God gives us a dream and a vision for it is because that's the only way we would move into it because we don't have any natural aptitude towards it. We don't have any natural gifting towards it. We don't have anything other than a God dream to be able to push forward and to be able to do it. But I tell you what, if I quit on my first sermon, I certainly wouldn't be here today. I felt like God was calling me to, to be a pastor, and I went to our, our, my pastor at the time, and I'd heard he was teaching people how to preach, and I asked him if he would teach me. And So I'd had my first little bit of, of my homiletical training, and he had said, don't ever pass up an opportunity to preach. Don't ever do that. And so he said, unless God just tells you to don't, well, let's treat it like gr- it's a green light. Somebody asks you to preach, go preach. So our youth minister um, at, at our church gave me an opportunity to come and share my testimony. So I was like, sure, we're going to do that. Well, on the way there, Cutie and I were talking. We were, had only been married a few months. And we're both like, nope, no youth ministry for us. We're just taking the opportunity to preach, and that's it. Man, I get up there, and there's about 35 students there, and man, it was, those kids did not pay attention to me at all. I was terrible. I stumbled all over myself. I didn't hold their attention. It was just, it was, it was, it was terrible. In the middle of that, there are some of the girls at the youth group there who are trying to pick a fight with my wife while I'm preaching. They were the original, catch me outside, how about that? And Cutie was like, bring it. Come on, girl. I was like, woman, dial it down. We're here to minister. He's like, I'm going to minister. Laying on of hands. And so, uh, anyway, so it was terrible. It was a terrible experience. Terrible. And man, in the middle of that, God tells me, this is where I want you. We had already had the conversation. Like, my wife is not down with this, God. And I go and I sit down next to her, and it was, she was, there was no high fives. There was not even the fake one. Like, Brand, you did so good. I mean, it was just nothing. And I sit down, and she leans over, and she just has that irritated face. And she says, this is where God wants us. And I'm like, I know. 
And so we began to step into youth ministry and ended up spending eight and a half years in youth ministry. That was awesome. And, and I got to, to, to have some of, our, the, some of the young people that in our youth ministry be a part of our church and all these years later. And it was just amazing. But man, it was terrible. It was terrible at first. But we step into this. We step into this because God has called us to. First Timothy 1, 12 through 13 says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me faithful, appointing me to this service, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man. I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. Paul starts out as the number one persecutor of the church and ends up the guy writing the bulk of the New Testament. The guy doesn't have his first interaction with the gospel, with the, with the truth that Jesus Christ is raised and is living. The first time he heard someone utter that, he wanted them dead. The first time he heard the gospel, he thought that person was a blasphemer and he wanted them dead. He wanted them locked up and put away. He got papers to hunt people down and he was on a road to Damascus to do that very thing. When an angel, a blinding light, when Jesus himself shows up and, and he has this moment with Jesus, he comes to believe that Jesus really was risen and becomes a minister of the gospel. But he didn't start out strong. Next thing is we don't want to give up on our God dream, even if those closest to you don't support you. Joseph obviously did not have a supportive family utters his dream and they sell him they are opposed to his dream they're offended at what he feels like God's going to do in his life and sometimes the people that should know us the best get clouded by our humanness and miss the fact that we're made in the image of God and have God's God's image stamped on us in, in a God assignment in our lives and you know what, we're just going to have to be patient with those people and understand we were the ones that made it hard for them to see it. Our humanity, our decisions, our, our poor choices, the way we've treated them, we're the ones that made it hard for them to see it. And be patient with them when sometimes the people who are closest to us, but don't think that just because those people that are closest to you discount your God dream doesn't mean that it's not there and it's not real. You hang on to it. Even Jesus dealt with those where he grew up, his ministry was limited because they discounted him. Mark 6, 33 through 4 says, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? We know these guys. We know where he is. We know who he's been. He's been under our nose all this time. Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, only in his hometown among his relatives and in his own house as a prophet without honor. Jesus dealt with the same thing. It's common, folks. It's common. So hopefully you've got some supportive people in your life for your God dream. But even if those closest to you don't, press in. And then with this whole roller coaster thing, I want us just quickly... Look at this and go, you know what? So many times we have a dream and we look at us and we look at where we need to go and we think it ought to be a straight line. But don't give up on your God dream even if your journey is full of surprises. 
This roller coaster life, it has a lot of twists and turns. And see, I just want us to quickly hit some of these high points. And over these next two weeks, we're going to look at some of these moments in, in depth. But first off, he was misunderstood by his family. Then he was sold into slavery. man named Potiphar, an Egyptian man named Potiphar, buys him. He's all alone. He's the only Hebrew around. He's, he has a different religion, a different thing. There's no supportive structure. He has to learn a new language. Everything is just totally, totally different. And he's living in a strange country far from home. And he feels completely isolated. In the middle of that, he doesn't back off. And he's still Joseph. And because he's still Joseph, within, he takes good care of Potiphar's household and he's given favor and he rises up in Potiphar's household. The guy that owns him, that paid money for him and bought him, he treats him with dignity and respect and wants to do a good job for this man. He rises up. Potiphar's wife decided that she liked Joseph pursued him relentlessly he's got nobody telling him joseph do the right thing she pursues him to the point that she comes at him every day the bible's real clear on it where she says come to bed with me come to bed with me it's not eluded it's very plain language she wants him and he's like no 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 finally she can't take it anymore and she grabs him and want and is just going to force herself on him he peels out of his own outer coat and runs off and she is so upset she takes that and turns it and uses it as proof to her husband and says man this guy tried to rape me and you look here's his cloak he'd been doing good he was doing the right thing. He was doing the honorable thing. She lies and falsely accuses him. And Potiphar takes his wife's word and he gets thrown into prison. So just when it looked like things were going to turn around, maybe the God dream could happen. Now he's in prison. Guess what? He's still Joseph and he's put in charge of the prison. He rises up and he's put in charge of the prison. In that place, because he has connection with everybody, he hears two of the prisoners talk about some dreams that they had had. You would think Joseph would say, man, dreams are full of it. Dreams mean nothing. I had a dream once, and now I'm in the prison. But he doesn't. He said, you know what? God is the interpreter of dreams. Tell me your dreams. Tells them, and the one guy loses his head, another guy gets restored to his position, and he says, hey, 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 remember me when you're standing before Pharaoh. God doesn't. Doesn't remember him. Stays in jail for another two years, just being faithful. Pharaoh has a dream, and finally the guy remembers, oh, there's this Joseph guy. He's good with dreams. Like, I'm apparently good with everybody's dreams but my own. Tells, he gets called up, cleaned up, stands before Pharaoh and interprets Pharaoh's dream for him. Gives him a full plan for Egypt to be spared of some really, really hard famine that was coming. And all of a sudden Pharaoh makes him, takes him out of the prison 
and makes him the prime minister of Egypt. He's the number one official. No one had more power in Egypt but Pharaoh himself. And all of a sudden now, he's the number one guy in the most powerful country in the world at that time. And all of a sudden, he's up again. This guy has this roller coaster, crazy life, but he never, never, never stopped. Because there was some place where he wanted and he believed that God was faithful. He believed what Paul wrote to us years later, that the heart of God is the heart of God. He says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called to his purpose. See, don't give up on your God dream, even if it takes a long time to realize it. Habakkuk 2.3 says, these things I, <clears throat> I plan won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely, the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it sl seems slow, do not despair, for these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. They will not be overdue a single day. Sometimes time feels like it moves too slow. Sometimes it feels like we're just never getting there. But we need to trust that God is at work. We also want to make sure that we keep this proper focus. The focus on what happens in you, not what happens to you. We we're going to see that that's Joseph's story. Joseph was always Joseph. Whether he was working for his, under his daddy or as a slave or as a prisoner or under Pharaoh, he was always, always Joseph. He would let who he was on the inside never change simply because the outside. Romans 8, 18 says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And James 1, 2, and 3 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Now, as we deal with pursuing and stepping out into our God dream, there's going to be lots of opportunities to nurse and get offended, to nurse an offense, to allow it to, to fester and to stay there. And as you deal with the ups and downs of life, you need to understand this. That your response to offense makes all the difference. How you deal with offense, it makes all the difference. I was, the little video we had on the update of E3 Partners, um, who's uh, one of our missions thing, and the guy who's on the video, he, he's, he lives here in Angelo, and he was given an update on uh, Ethiopia, and you, you heard about them being in prison. Well, he, he told me the, the rest of the story that th those missionaries that were, had been falsely accused um, about doing some things against the Orthodox Church there, which is, <coughs> which is a real tension. Um, there's some, some real tension there. And um, anyways, they were falsely accused. Well, their accusers, for whatever reason, end up getting arrested and thrown in jail. So now they're in jail. These three missionaries are in jail with these guys who cooked up this story against them. And they're in jail. And, the, man, they're ready for, some, for some, some jail justice to come down on their heads. Man, they think, man, these guys are going to take it out on us. And these, the missionaries reached out to them, began to be kind to them, began to, to, <coughs> to, to 
<clears throat> be there to serve them in the, middle of the, in the middle of the jail. And they said, why are you doing this? You're in jail because we lied. Why would you treat us kindly? Why would you do that? And these guys who had been so opposed to who they are and what they were doing because it, to, to force them to be thrown in jail were now being blown away by the love of God and the grace that was being extended to them. Folks, it's time for love to rise up. There's lots of reasons to be offended in life. Lots of them. Some of them good and some of them stupid. But there's lots of them. But if we don't say we're going to just push all of that mess aside and hold on to the fact that God wants to do something incredible in our lives, we're going to get tripped up in this offense and tripped up in these places where people have hurt us and we're going to miss out on the beautiful things that God wants to do in our lives. I love the way this story wraps up with Joseph. Sure enough, his brothers come and in the middle of that famine, they, got, they go to Egypt because the only place that stored up food, the only place that stored up food for, for this long seven-year famine was Egypt. So they needed food. They needed to go buy some grain, feed their babies. And Joseph's brothers make the journey. Years, years later, they sold him into slavery at 17. He's in his late 30s. He's, they stand before Joseph and don't recognize him. And they come in and they bow out of reverence to this foreign official, not knowing that it was their brother that they were bound to. That that moment did not mark Joseph being there to be this place, to be able to, to rule over them. It was that Joseph was raised up to be able to serve them and to be able to take care of them. That their families were going to be fed because of where Joseph was going to be in a place of respect. They were taken care of and restoration comes and their whole family ends up moving to Egypt and living in Egypt under Joseph's care. Their daddy dies and the brothers are so afraid that Joseph is going to finally get his revenge after daddy's death. And Joseph tells them this. Genesis 50 verse 20. He says, you intended to harm me. Other translations says you meant evil. He didn't downplay the, the ugliness of what his, the, the brothers had done to him. He said, you meant to hurt me. You meant evil. But God. Wow. That he could step back from the attacks and the hate of the people who should have loved him the most and somehow see that maybe God wants to do something even there. If you and I could just begin to do that a little bit, we'd see some of our ugliest situations turn into our greatest miracles. Say, maybe someone is out to get you. Maybe our culture, it feels like our culture is out to get us. If we could just quit yelling at culture and step back and go, what does God want to do? Maybe there is intended for evil. Maybe there is intent for harm. But what does God want to do? God wants to do something. God wants to show up. God wants love to win in this deal. He said, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is being done, the saving of many lives. And you know what? At the heart of God on a bigger level, he was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. 
please don't ever let the offenses of life set you apart from the people that God, that Jesus came to save. Whether it's people in your own household or culture at large, man, we God, remember, he's about saving lives. He said, so don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them with these words. Our bottom line this morning, thanks for giving me a little extra time, is that God is faithful. God is faithful. We can ride the roller coaster because God is faithful. Some of those dips will take your stomach. Some of those highs will freak you out. But God is faithful, and we can look to him on every front. See, the joy in life is found in trusting God through the twists and the turns. That's what real joy is. It's just knowing we're in his hands, and we can trust him. We can trust him. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.